Well, as you have heard, not only already this morning, but throughout the last few weeks, we're talking a lot about peace and what peace means to us in our lives. And I think that every single one of us here this morning probably has our own definition, way of describing what peace means to us. This week, uh, just for fun, I typed in my Google search bar a question about peace, and I typed, where can I find peace? And I received 1.3 billion results. Not even kidding, 1.3 billion. And I found as I looked at these that most of them have to do with the plan to find peace in our lives. The ways that we can climb the steps towards finding peace for ourselves. So some of the titles were 25 ways to bring more peace into your life. Or if you wanna do a little extra, make sure you got it, it's 39 ways to find peace. Or if you don't have as much time, you can go with eight ways to bring peace to your life. Or if you're more reflective, you could do six questions that will make you feel peaceful and complete. So apparently, there are lots and lots of things that we can be doing to find peace in our lives. There are lots of steps that we can take so that we can create this peace for ourselves. But if that is the case, if peace can be cultivated in our lives in this way, why is it that we're still so anxious? Why are we still feeling such unrest? Why are we still searching so much so that there are 1.3 billion answers to this question? Well, I don't actually think that we can find peace by climbing any steps, by coming up with a plan that's so easily to follow for us. I actually don't even know if peace really comes from the world. I think peace is only truly found in God. So if we, as a community of faith, go out and put our hope and our trust in God alone, that is when we will truly have peace. So I could just say amen right there, right? That's the directive. Go out and put your hope and trust in God and then you will have peace. Amen. However, it's harder than that, right? It makes it sound so simple, but there are so many things in our lives that just block us from that. They cloud our eyes and still we search and we search for what peace is. There are the stresses that we have that we feel so deeply from our families or from the work that we do throughout the week. And there are people who try as we might to love, they are making us angry or frustrated, right? And there are news stories after news stories that just are simply heartbreaking. And all of that makes it very difficult, excruciatingly difficult, to really put our hope and our trust in God and keep that as the focus of our lives. So, where do we continually find hope in the love of God? 
I think that these travelers who were on their way to their, presumably their hometown of Emmaus, that we hear about today in scripture, were actually looking for peace too. They were searching for it. They were leaving Jerusalem on that very first Easter day. Jesus had risen to some of the disciples and there were questions and there was disbelief and there was grief because he had died on the cross. As they left Jerusalem that day, they were hopeless. They were crestfallen. Even their own words tell us this. They say, but we had hoped. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. But then something interesting happens as they walk along, or maybe more aptly as they trudge along. That's how I envision it. Steps that are kind of just dragging your feet on the ground. That back that is kind of curved in because you have so much weight on your shoulders. The eyes that can look only at the dirty ground in front of you. But as they walk along, something amazing happens. And they're joined suddenly by this man whom they don't recognize. We could call him Jesus Incognito, maybe. And as they walk along, he asks them, why are you so crestfallen? Why do you seem so sad today? And so they tell him all of these things. They're a little amazed, think this man might be a little confused to not have known these things already. But they give him all of their hurts and their sorrows. And then Jesus also does something interesting. Because so many times in our scriptures, he was teaching with his disciples and he was telling parables, but very rarely did he interpret these for them afterwards. Instead, they were sent to go out and experience them in their lives. But in this moment, he opens the scriptures to them and he reveals to them the ways that he is the fulfillment of all of these promises that they had trust in their whole lives. When they saw Jesus die on the cross, all of those promises of God's that they had trusted in forever were questioned. The hope that they had in those promises was erased. But now Jesus brings to them these scriptures and he reveals himself in them. You can almost see them start to stand a little straighter as they walk along to garner a little more energy and to be able to look around at this man they're talking to and one another. You can see that glistening of hope return to their eyes. But it isn't until they sit with him at the table and he takes bread and he breaks that bread and he blesses it and he gives it to them. And then he takes the cup and he tells them once again that this cup is himself given for them. That is when their hope is truly restored and Jesus Christ is revealed to them. It is this hope that brings them peace, that calms their aching hearts, that allows them once again to look forward into the world. Now when they receive this peace, they go right out of the room and, and they head back to Jerusalem. Now I can definitely tell you for a fact that if I had just walked seven miles to get back to my home, eaten a big meal, I would not 
be walking the seven miles back at this point. But it seems like for them, not only is their hope restored and this peace has been given to them, but their energy for sharing this experience with others has also been renewed. And they cannot wait to go out and tell their fellow followers that Christ has brought them peace. As I thought about all of this throughout the week, I actually couldn't help but see all the correlations to what we do in worship together. Because when we enter those doors on Sunday mornings or Saturday evenings, Wednesdays, whenever it is that we come into this place, we are carrying with us the burdens of the week. We have those times when we failed to follow God on our hearts. We have the remembrance of all of those things that caused us so much pain throughout the week, whether it be the news stories, the world around us, the violence, the times we were angry or frustrated. We bring with us our questions and sometimes even our disbelief. But then we come into this place and we don't come alone. We come surrounded by the entire family of faith. And together we bring our sins and our hurts and our hopelessness right here to the foot of the cross. And together we once again hear the word of God and we talk about it and we interpret it and we see how it reveals God for us in our daily lives today. And we sing together, we praise God together, we lift our voices in prayer. And then at the end of the worship, we don't just stay here. When I first began ministry alongside all of you, and I led worship for the first times, I would often forget this certain sentence that comes at the end of every worship service. And Pastor Greg would very lovingly and caringly remind me that this was an, a, very, a very important sentence to the tradition and the faith of this congregation. And that is the one that says, this worship service is over and it's now time for the real worship and service to begin. That is the statement that sets the stage for us and for the following week where we know our hearts will hurt, but we also know that we have been renewed in the love of God, that we have been renewed in the peace that only God can give. We know then that it is God's peace that spurs us forward, that allows us to go back out into the world to tell others of what we have heard and seen and experienced here. And we're able to do that rather than just move with the fear of the world. So we worship and we serve and we walk together on the road. We go out knowing that there is no plan, there is no list of steps that can lead us to true peace. True peace is found only as a gift from God. There's only one article I think we need to answer that question, where can I find peace? And that is one that will lead us here, to the table of our Lord, to the cross once again, where it is that we find the true peace that we so long for. Thanks be to God, amen.